He's got a beautiful backswing. Dad, oh, he got all of that one. Oh my gosh. That is amazing. Lay up with an iron into the hazard. Well, that wasn't quite what I meant, you know. What is good, everybody? Welcome into the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Sam Humphreys, Taylor Williams, Jim Woodward with you as always today. And we are joined by many special guests on this live preview show. We did our full preview and our picks yesterday, but we have some great interviews today. Number one, we got Jerry Fultz, who you guys know from the Live Golf broadcast on the CW. It was a great interview. You guys are really going to enjoy that. We have the director of golf at Cedar Ridge, David Bryan Jr., That was an awesome interview, giving us inside look into Cedar Ridge and and how Liv was to work with. That was an awesome interview with him. And we had another awesome interview, T-Dub. We had Ryder Cowan, who just won not only individual state for 4A, and then he won the team state title with OCS and Tosh Hayes and Bryant Polhill and all those boys. We'll get into that with him. He's heading to Oklahoma next year, the University of Oklahoma next year. So we talk about that, a lot of good stuff with the young star Ryder Cowan. And then our other guest just got here. <laughs> up to Tulsa. The Hump Man, my dad, Craig Humphreys, is doing his show live from Live Tulsa tomorrow. And, Dad, obviously, we did all of our preview uh, yesterday, but I'm excited to see who you're going to pick. Um, but, T Dub, I, I want to bring you in here. Today was just like yesterday, it was laid back, it was fun, the guys were approachable. It was like having a, a pass at Disney World where you didn't have to wait in line, <clears throat> T-Dub. It was awesome. We saw Mark Dagnalt on the first tee today. I don't know if you, you were there for that, right? I was very close to it. I did not get to see as good of a view as the cameraman TJ Eckert did. That was about <laughs> the best view you could have. You thought, if anyone hasn't seen the video, make sure to go check it out on Twitter. It truly is pretty special, especially from a lefty as well. You did not expect him to be in the firing range on this shot. But he was, and I mean, you had Phil Mickelson and the OKC Thunder coach on the same team. You expected to be some fireworks. I just didn't expect him to be that early, Sam. I mean, it was no. about as, as soon as you could get him. It was pretty, pretty intense in all honesty. So, there was so many great stories about this. Phil Mickelson saying it was one of the greatest trick shots he's ever seen. If you <laughs> haven't seen this video of Mark Dagnall, the head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder, hitting his first tee shot, he's left-handed. And somehow shanks it behind him. I know it's not a shank, but it literally was basically like a top heel shank behind him, and it hits T.J. Eckerts, who's the one of the sportscasters up here in Tulsa who's filming this with an actual big-time camera, and it hits T.J. Eckerts' camera right in the lens and dribbles back down to Mark Dagnall's feet. Uh, unbelievable. And then we heard a story also coming from Dave Bryan, the head pro out at Cedar Ridge, and uh, he he shared with us that Phil Mickelson and Dave Bryan were talking on the first tee, and Phil was saying, you know, what are these guys' handicaps? And, and Dave was saying, you know, I don't even know if they even have handicaps. They might be max. We'll see how the first tee shot goes. And then Dagnalt does that, and Phil turns to Dave and says, 
They're max. <laughs> but, Dad, you missed a lot today. Put him what, down for max. What are you looking forward to most? Oh. Obviously, you missed the fun days without the fans here and being able to get up close and personal with these players, but I feel like it's going to be that same vibe tomorrow. I did see the Dagnall video, and it reminded me that there was a guy at the Derry Myers Invitational one time up at Grand Lake, up at Shangri-La, and, and he hit a very similar shot, although he hit a shot that I guarantee you it went somehow back through his legs and hit a car in the parking lot right behind him. <laughs> I'm not kidding. No way. <clears throat> but, but that's the closest thing to, to that uh, that I've ever seen. But, no, hey, listen, I got fired up driving up here, listening to you guys, and I guess it was your show from yesterday. All the days are, are, are running together. But you guys had been out there for the Wednesday practice round, and you were just so fired up about about the access that you had and, and just how approachable the players were and, and this and that. Then you had Greg Gross, which, by the way, great interview with, with Greg Gross and, and him taking Norman to the state title and, and having the individual state champion. And I, I just, I, I'm fired up for the tournament tomorrow just listening to you guys driving up here. Well, T-Dub, you were out there this morning, and you got to – you know, ask Brooks Kepka and Jason Kokrak a, a couple questions. Uh, why don't you intro that, and then we'll hear from Brooks Kepka and Jason Kokrak. Yeah, so uh, my thought process was that you hear, like yesterday we asked TG and all those guys, asked them some golf questions, things like that. And I'm like, I want to get these guys thinking a little bit outside the box. And just had the news off social media that Brooks Kepka has a child on the way coming with him and Jim. So I thought that was pretty cool. So I tried to ask a little bit of creative question there. And I thought it was interesting that – it's a fairly young team, Team Smash, that they have. Jason Kokrak's definitely the elder statesman and the only experienced father of the group. So I thought it would be interesting to see what kind of advice he had for his captain. Brooks, first off, congratulations on the kid on the way. That's awesome, man. So my question is, if you could pick one trait that you could pass along to your son and from yourself and one trait you could pass along from your wife, what, what two of those traits would they be? Uh, I hope he gets a lot more traits from my wife than he does me. <laughs> um, I think – me, probably discipline. I think I'm, I'm pretty disciplined when it comes time to work. Uh, and then my wife's sense of humor. I hope that, yeah, those want to be funny, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, Jason, are you the only experienced father of the group? I'm not sure. Does anyone else have kids? As far as I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what advice are you passing along to your captain? Um, you know, I, I've, I've told this to a, a number of other guys. It's like there's nothing to prepare you to be a father, boy or girl. Yeah, you just kind of wake up instinctually and you just start caring for uh, the little boy or girl. So, I mean, he's more than prepared. He's taking care of himself, and uh, I, I think he's going to be, be a great father. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Absolutely great answer from those guys. Really expect the uh, the generosity that we had uh, from Kepka in particular. He definitely wants to teach his son some discipline, which I do think that Kepka does have that. And Huntman, you know, I see you scrumging through your notes there like you always have. And <laughs> what I see right there is the team aspect of it. I mean, you've covered so many golf tournaments, so many major championships in general, but you don't cover very many tournaments with a team aspect in it. So what are you looking for on that, in that part of it? I love the team aspect of this. I, I, I love how fired up they get. Number one, they, they go on the podium and they're spraying champagne on each other. I mean, you, you can tell it means something. But we were just talking this morning about this, and I, I think it was Pat Jones that was asking me about it, the, the team aspect. And, you know, it, it keeps a guy engaged. Say it, it's Sunday and the week hadn't gone so well and the guy's just playing out the string on, on the final nine on Sunday. I mean, we see that. Ha I realize they're still playing for a lot of money and this and that. 
But a guy, you know, uh, golfers, I mean, if they know that they're out of it and so forth, it's hard to stay fired up and stay engaged. Well, this keeps you fired up. You're playing for your teammates. And, and like, with, with the range goats, I mean, the range goats finally got the victory, but in the one before where TG had gone for the two sixty twos in Australia and then they came up one shot short uh, that week, you know, and, and here the guy wins the tournament, has fired a couple of 62s, and he's feeling like he let his team down <laughs> on the last day, that type of deal. But, no, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love how you, you got – you know, like you got Stinger, you got a, a, a South African team, and, and you got Ripper, the Australian team, and, and that type of thing. The, the fireballs, I heard you guys picking the teams driving up here, you know, and I heard Sam talking about the, the fireballs. They're they're not all from the same country, but the, you know, the uh, Hispanic Latin American, team, Latin yeah. American team has spent, yeah, well, they got Sergio and uh, Eugenio Chakara and Abe Anser Ortiz on that team. No, I love it. And then I heard you talking about the four aces, or, or I guess. Did Woody uh, take the four aces finally? When I think he I think did, he did because yeah, he I got the range goats, and then who did you make off with, Sam? Did you get the fireballs? I got the yeah, fireballs. You went with the fireballs, but the four aces, you know, they, they had Taylor Gooch, and people go, what in the heck is Taylor Gooch thinking to leave this team, you know, with, with Dustin Johnson and, and Patrick Reed and so forth? But he's going to the range goats to, to his, you know, one of his best friends, Harold Varner. He's also going, you know, with, with Bubba and Thomas uh, Peters. Well, now all they've done is gone second and first in their last two tournaments. So I, after DJ uh, said that they couldn't? Yeah, yeah. after DJ. Said they would yeah, never be there again? Never be on the podium again or, or this or that or whatever. <laughs> but, no, I love that. I, I love the team rivalry aspect and, and just the team aspect in general. Plus, the players got to love it because that just means another pot of money that they're playing for every week. No doubt about it. And as far as the team rankings go, the four aces are in that top spot. Team Torque, uh, those are the top two guys from Torque, and then or Torque as they changed it to this Torque. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then the Fireballs are in third. Um, you mentioned the Range Goats. That's obviously Bubba Watson's squad, and then Taylor Gooch has been carrying it, even though Bubba's the captain. And then you have Harold Varner and Thomas Peters, like you mentioned. Uh, we have some interesting pairings tomorrow, guys. We have obviously a shotgun start. At 12.15 p.m., depending on weather, I think tomorrow's weather looks pretty good, uh, so they should tee off at 12.15 p.m. Central Time, but the group going off one is a phenomenal group. Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson, and Sergio Garcia. I would, I would assume that the majority, the big masses of crowds would be following that group right there. We'll see how the Oklahoma fans kind of respond to the shotgun start because you can technically sit in one place for all four and a half hours and watch every single golfer. So I'll be interested to see who, you know, what the fans do if they follow around. But some of the other groups we have, we have on number two, we we have Brooks Kepka, Martin Keimer, and Phil Mickelson. So Brooks and Phil playing together starting on number two. Starting on number 18, you have the OSU group of Charles Howell III, Peter Uline, and Matthew Wolf. I'm sure they'll have a really good following. Um, so those three groups right there playing one, two, three of each other throughout the day are going to be awesome. And then, then who did you say was on number five, I think it is? Number right? five, starting on number five tomorrow, you have Bubba Watson, Cam Smith, and Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, if that's not <laughs> an all-time showtime pairing, T-Dub, I don't know what is. Uh, I don't know how to choose which group to watch 
Um, I'll probably be following really, you know, the guys that start on 18, one and two. Um, and I'm going to have to get over there and see a little bit of Bubba, Cam Smith and Bryson. One thing that I realized last year, the PGA, I think it's going to even be more so this year is that when you don't have people who necessarily know in abundance about golf, they don't really know how to, to maneuver their way around the course. So I feel like if you've been to Cedar Ridge before, or you just have even a little bit of golf knowledge of knowing where the hole layouts are, you're going to be able to get a lot better views than some of these other people are. And I know we talked about this yesterday, but the ropes are really close. Like, they're right on top of these players. You're going to be able to get closer to a Dustin Johnson at this tournament than any other tournament that you're probably able to go to. Well, just just for an example, here's a a good way that I I feel like people should go about it if you're going to be there tomorrow. I think going to maybe hole three tee box is probably pretty good, which it's been confusing the hell out of me because it's normally number 12. (laughs) And so I'm trying to think, oh, we'll go back to three. And I'm like, no, 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 it's over here because – where three is going to be right now, it's right by where 17 green is and 18 T is going to be and also two greens right there. So that's a pretty cool little area where you can sit and kind of maneuver and watch everyone because then you'll have uh, Joaquin Neiman, Louie, and Stinson team Now you're there. talking about the real number three, not the old number three that's now number 12. Correct. Well, I, I think so. I don't I think, even even I don't whenever we're trying to question, I don't. When I refer to number three, I don't mean yeah. the horribly designed hole. Okay. That, that, that right. one, the opposite of that. That's the original number three. Yes. Right. But that, the, one with, the one with yeah. flagpoles on it now, to where you can't drive the green. That I mean, obviously, you're going to be doing your show live from Live Tulsa tomorrow. You'll be in the Flash area, uh, so definitely make sure to go look for the hump man right in front of really the the number 10 tee box is where it is right by the clubhouse the sports animal wwls 98.1 fm the sports animal will be out at live tulsa tomorrow but your show is nine to noon so that means you're going to be able to see all of this golf you're looking at those pairings which group do you want to follow the most well yeah i I need to check your phone here for the pairings but i well, you said uh, Taylor Gooch, Dustin Johnson, and, and Sergio. And, of course, uh, Gooch and Sergio just went at each other in the playoff in, in the very last tournament, Gooch coming out on top. DJ, uh, we, we were just talking about DJ earlier, and I, I think DJ, in the last three tournaments, he had a 7th and a 10th. Now, he fell to 25th in Singapore. But to me, and you guys talked about this, you got a major coming up next week. How many times have we seen guys where – Guys work so hard preparing for a major, and sometimes they peak a week too early. And and so one of those guys that's been really working hard and 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 maybe peaks a week too early might win this golf tournament. But, but the point is, although sometimes guys take some confidence, like Brooks did yeah. in Orlando. Well, sometimes it works that way too. And Brooks wins in Orlando the week before the Masters, and then tied for second at, at Augusta National. I'm just saying, I think this is a good spot for the golf fans in Tulsa to have a golf tournament come to Oklahoma because these guys are getting ready for a major tournament the very next week. So you know they've been working hard on their games, and they want to take momentum into the next week, right, T.D.? A hundred percent about that. And, Sam, one thing that I've noticed just by sitting around the putting green is that I've heard a lot of players talk about how different the greens are going to be from what they're seeing this week to next week at Oak, Oak Hill. So I think a lot of players who are going to be playing in that PGA Championship are going to be looking forward or looking forward in time in that sense. So maybe they can sit in the moment and have some good momentum just because their game is going to be that good. But I do think that 
look out for the players who are playing next week and look at how they do on the greens. I bet you'll see a lot of putts come up short because the greens next week will be a lot faster, so they'll probably be trying to die the putts in the hole this week. So that's something that I look forward to. Butch could actually be pretty good for them because with how much these greens slope, you want to be able to hit it pretty soft or else they can get away from you pretty quickly, Sam. But, no doubt but, about it. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, but as far as what group, uh, Sam, Bubba, Cam Smith, and DeChambeau up ahead at number five. <laughs> really, I mean, they're, they're going to have a bunch of people following them. If, if I just looked at this one time and said, you know, which group would I go see? Well, it's got to be Kepka and Mickelson. Kepka and Mickelson paired together along with Martin Keimer, you know, major champion and so forth. But they're, they're just in the group just ahead of Gooch. I mean, number they tee off at number two, Gooch, Dustin Johnson, Sergio at number one. But – but this, this OSU group, number 18, so they will be in the group just behind Gooch, DJ, and Sergio. Charles Howe third, Peter Uline, Matthew Wolf. Like we said, guys, on the points list right now, Gooch is number one, but Uline's two, Charles Howe third is three. Charles Howe third has a big following in Oklahoma, married a girl from Kingfisher. I talked to John Johnson, Johnson's Kingfisher, the other day. He's going to be here tomorrow. He's, he said they're going to have a whole contingent of people I following Charles Howe. So you're going to have stuff like that. Gooch is going to have a big following. Charles Howe's going to have a big following. You guys talked on your podcast about how Uline played his college golf at, at, at OSU. And I think he has a great yeah. chance to win this, this week. This game so, up well here. So anyway, no, I hey, it is going to be fantastic. We, we talked about it on my show today that the, the Byron Nelson is right between an elevated event and then a major next week. Most guys aren't going to play three weeks in a row. So which one are they going to miss? Most of them are, are, are skipping the Byron Nelson this weekend. You still got uh, Scotty Scheffler, but they've lost Will Zalatoris to, to the back surgery. Um, uh, Jordan Spieth pulled out earlier this week with a, right. a wrist injury, lost some Dallas guys. DeChambeau's a Dallas guy. Well, obviously, he's here in Tulsa. I'm just, I'm just saying there's more star power. I'm not telling you guys anything. But for the listeners, there's more star power here in Tulsa this week than there is in Dallas. Oh, there's absolutely zero doubt about that. The stars are out. And, and just to make a point earlier, we're talking about where to, to sit. We're talking about that, that group on 5T is going to be really, really impactful to see. Five and number three T are not very far apart. They're with maybe 100 yards from each other. So you could very easily go over to number five, watch. Uh, and number five is a par five as well. So you're going to see Bryson and Bubba and Cam Smith be able to rip a driver. Then if you want to come back over to three and watch those group and those other guys come through, that would probably be the way to go in my opinion. No, it's going to be awesome. I, I mean, Deb, we talked about it time and time again. You've covered so many major championships. You've never covered anything like this. Um I don't really know exactly what question to ask it because it's just so much well, different. Right? I'm looking forward just to seeing what the vibe is. Yeah. And, and I'm, like I said, I'm getting fired up listening to you guys talk about it. Obviously, there, there's going to be music. I mean, we're going to have there, a there's lot gonna of be, music. Gonna be ready be sounds for the music. That, that we're not used to hearing. <laughs> every T box and green hunt, man. There's yeah. a, or almost every one of them. There's a big a, speakers. I mean, I'm talking concert speaker. I've gone to the Masters, 34 out of the last 36 it's not years. That. Uh, well, I'm, I'm going to see something I'd never see at Augusta National, which is cell phones. So I'm, I'm looking forward. Uh, no, hey, hey, listen, no, I, I just want to get the feel of it because I know you guys. I don't watch as much as you guys, but I know a lot of people are going to be seeing Live Golf for the first time. Maybe they haven't seen it either, you know, on, on the app or or their website or the CW. But I, I've watched quite a bit of this, and I love it. I mean, it looks like a lot of fun to me, but I can't wait to see it in person. 
all the fun is great, but for us golf nerds, this is the best opportunity to see the stars in the game of golf, or at least half the stars in the game of golf, right up close. And I think that that's enough to get a golf nerd out here. And then, you know, tomorrow night we're going to have the Laney Wilson concert uh, right there on the property at Cedar Ridge. I think a lot of, you know, the wives and girlfriends are looking forward to that one. And, and then just the vibe out there. I mean, like I said, there's the production that Liv has done with, you know, the tents and the birdie shack and the and the party tents, right? It's all based on the fact that you can sit in one place and watch all of these golfers come through. So it's not necessarily a grueling day for, you know, a wife or a girlfriend or a casual golf fan to go out there and watch golf. If you hate golf, you're still going to have a good time at Live. Well, and for the diehard golf fan or even the casual fan, I got fired up listening to how you guys, the access, not only for the media, but you're saying the way it's roped, which, listen, for an old guy like me, I, I've been going to golf tournaments for, for over 40 years, all right, 50, maybe almost 50 years, whatever. My first major was uh, 1977 Southern Hills U.S. Open uh, that Hubie Green won. My point is, over those years, it used to be it was roped where you could get right up next to them, and then... They started pushing the fans further and further and further away, the spectators further away. And now to listen to what you guys are telling me, it's like going back in time 30 or 40 years where we're right up next to the players again. Well, uh, just to put an emphasis on on this, and it's like even at this moment, I wasn't inside the ropes or anything like that. Whenever I first got there, I got done with the Brooks Kepka press conference. I went down to 1T in the group team. I was Cam Smith. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to follow these guys. By the time you get done with the green, we're walking over to 2T across the bridge. I mean, I'm walking. I'm from me to you. I'm a foot away from. Him. I literally could have put my arm around Cam and said, "Hey, what's up, buddy? How are you doing?" I mean, it was unbelievable how close that you could get. And I get there. There'll be some situations tomorrow where you can't just because there be, there will be someone who's that close. It may not just be you, you know, because right. there's so right. gonna be so many people. But uh, no, th- there will be a, a handful of people who can get extremely, extremely close to these players. Yeah, that's my one thought about this week so far. Just the two days without the fans out there. I thought when we got to Cedar Ridge and got inside the media center for the first time at this live event that they were going to try to control the narrative, right, and tell the media what they can and cannot do because there is so much negativity out there about live. But it was the exact opposite. I gained more respect for live for doing that. They're basically like, here's your media pass. You go out there and come back and tell us what you think. Yeah. You know, and I and I loved it. It was awesome. And so I, I'm looking forward for you uh, to get that experience. I think that's really cool that they're not trying to control that narrative. Yeah. And, and it's going to be great. And as, as we're talking on Friday evening, I mean, right now, the, the forecast is only for like 15% between like noon and 5 o'clock or so. I know we're getting a lot of rain tonight, a lot of rain more tomorrow night. But tomorrow afternoon looks like a pretty good window. No doubt about it. Live Tulsa coming up tomorrow at 1215 at Cedar Ridge in Broken Arrow. If you don't have tickets somehow already, you can still get them on livegolf.com. We got a bunch of stuff to get into in this show. We have Jerry Fultz coming up after the break. We have Ryder Cowan, state champion of OCS, coming up after the next break. And then we're going to be talking to director of golf at Cedar Ridge, David Bryan Jr. at the end of the show. I've got one more thing One more thing? Yeah, I got to jump in. I listened to your picks driving up. I like T-Dub. You're going with Cam Smith, right? That's who I got. He looked good today, too. A four and a seven, his last two. I think he's peaking right at the right time as he gets ready for majors. 
I, I, I'll go with T-Dub's guy, Cam Smith. I'm feeling even better about it now. I will say this. I, I'm I, going with Taylor Gooch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what has he done lately? Huh? Exactly. Uh, oh, he's won the last two. Okay, I got you. You guys are going to hear on, this, on but Jerry term. Foltz in the interview said, if you're a betting man and you don't bet on Taylor Gooch, you're a moron. <laughs> they said you don't like money. That's yeah, you don't like money. Okay. Which is damn true in all honesty. <laughs> <laughs> Taylor Gooch going for the three-peat this week at Live Tulsa. Woody was going with the U-line, by the way. I think yes. was Woody's individual pick. Went with the four aces. Who's, I your, got who's your team champ? Yeah, who's your me? team champ? Well, U-line, by the way, I mean, five tournaments, he's been top 11 in all of them. Yeah, that's yeah he, why, he's second in the Live points. That's why, yeah, that's why he's number two on the points list. Okay, my team champion... Um, Boy, I tell you what, it's 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 hard to go against the four aces. Um, you know what? I I think I'm going to go with Charles Hounds Group. The maybe DeChambeau will finally resurface at some point. The Crushers, they're coming off a fifth and a third. They've been playing some pretty decent golf. They they won the very first one in Mayakoba when Charles Howe, of course, went went so low and won the right. individual. I'll go with the Crushers. Not a terrible pick and not a bad place for Bryson to get things figured out. I was talking to Nick Heinen, the caddy of Matthew Wolf, on the putting green today for about 20 minutes. And one thing that Nick said was distance is a big help this week to these guys. He thinks that distance will separate the field if you are able to hit some fairways and hit it a long way down there. Well, and another guy on that team, guys, and help me out on this, but Paul Casey, I'm just a little surprised at, at Paul Casey that he has not fared better in live golf. I was looking at it. He finished fourth at Mayakoba when Hal uh, won. But since then, he's gone 25, 34, 39, and 30. Been in kind of a slump. The guy's too good of a player. He's got to resurface in one of these weeks. I mean, yeah, he does absolutely have to. I mean, he's one of the best ball strikers probably of our generation, honestly. A swing that doesn't break down. You look at it, though, he is 45 years old, almost 46 yeah. now. So, so maybe maybe a little bit of father time's catching up maybe with him. So. Maybe he's dealing with some nagging injuries. I know he's dealt with some of that stuff in the past. But uh, I've seen him a couple times this week. Swing looks pretty good. Wouldn't shot me one bit. Same if this is where Paul Casey does find a little bit of form. No doubt about it. No matter who's on top of that leaderboard, it's going to be a really entertaining week up here at Live Tulsa. Dad, one more time, tell the people where you're going to be. He's going to be in the Flash area. He hadn't even been up there yet. <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen it yet. But, but tell the people about your show okay. and where they can listen in the morning. Yeah, if they we're want doing to. our show for, from 9 to noon tomorrow, which works out well. I mean, you can listen as you drive up and so forth. And then. Obviously, they tee off just afternoon tomorrow. I think it's 12.15. Then we will have updates. Uh, we'll be on with Jim Traber at 3 o'clock tomorrow afternoon with Al Eshback at 6. On Saturday, we will have updates at noon, 3, and 6 on the Sports Animal. But the 73rd hole, I got comments. I, I had a, a good friend that I've known for years come up to me at the golf course the other day. And, and he says, that 19th hole is the greatest thing I've ever listened to. So I got to educate him on uh, the show is called the 73rd hole, but he plays, but he, he plays golf out at Oak tree around noon, every Sunday. And at 11 o'clock, especially at 11 o'clock hour, he's driving to the course and he says, listening to you guys gets him so fired up. I mean, he was dead serious. Well, we appreciate that's that. Beautiful. And he's that's, talking that's, about the radio show? He's talking about the radio show. That's beautiful uh, stuff. On the Sports Animal, I tried to educate him on the podcast. He said, oh, no, I listened to that too. So, I mean, he's all in <laughs> on the awesome. 73rd Well, that's hole. really good because we are a little bit more filtered on the radio show. So, <laughs> so that means that, imagine our but, unfiltered content. But seriously, I, I'm being dead serious. And, and, of course, Sam is my son. T-Dub, you know, you're, you're like my second son. But – 
But listen, you guys are doing such a good job. You well, you really you. are. And and I listen to I listen to every show. But folks, I don't care if you're a casual golf fan or if you're a you're a golf nerd, diehard golf fan, you need to be listening to these guys every week. They they just crank out great product week after week after week. And and I heard it again driving up here today and I know you guys you went through the whole list of people uh, that that you've talked to just this week. You guys do a great, great job. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate that, huh, man? And you've done so much for our show. As we've, I've said numerous times, you were the very first guest that we ever had on this podcast. I mean, it feels like a millennia ago, Sam, whenever that occurred. But uh, here we are. And up you've at gone Lake. upward from there. Yeah. A, a lot more upward. A lot more upward in terms of Us, our growth. Yeah, he, maybe not necessarily guests. stayed at the top. My dad has no. stayed at the top. No, we we'll, have we'll gone get, upward. We'll get no. to Huntman's level at some point. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Um, T-Dub, the last thing I wanted to bring up, you're wearing that range goat. Range goat. Is this range not the goat sweetest shirt, shirt of oh, all gosh. time? I mean, Sam, cool. you got one the same one. That's big we just time. had to make has, sure we don't wear it, it the, the same day. It has the goat chain on it. If anyone wants to get that shirt in the gonna merchandise tent, fast. it's going to sell out fast. It has the range goat logo wearing a goat chain. That is big time stuff. If you guys are not subscribed to the 73rd Hole podcast, it's absolutely free. Definitely go do that. It just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode like we are doing all week for Live Tulsa. If you're not following us on social media, I'm at Sam Humphreys 34 on Twitter. T-Dub, give your Twitter handle. Uh, T underscore Williams 101 Instagram is T Williams underscore 10. And then the 73rd hole Twitter and Instagram is at the 73rd hole on Twitter and at 73rd hole on Instagram. We have been putting out great content all week and it's not going to stop considering the golf tournament. The actual tournament starts tomorrow at Live Tulsa at Cedar Ridge. We need to hit a break. After the break, like I said, Jerry Fultz of the Live Golf Broadcast and the CW Network coming up on Oklahoma's Leader in Golf, the 73rd hole. Join the hype. Live Golf is coming to Tulsa at Cedar Ridge Country Club, May 12th through the 14th. See the top players who include DJ, Taylor Gooch, Bill Mickelson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau battling it out. This is high-stakes golf with a whole new vibe and a whole new energy. Rally your squad now and see the big names with big swings compete in this new global league. Tickets are selling fast. Get yours now at livegolf.com. That's L. And we are back here on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. And like I mentioned before the break, we are joined by a very special guest, Jerry Fultz, who you've seen on TV for many years, doing great stuff throughout the years with the Nationwide Tour on the Golf Channel, and now obviously working with Liv and the CW Network, and is in the booth with David Faraday. Every single Liv event does an awesome job with that. So, Jerry, just to start this off, I really appreciate you taking the time today. 
My pleasure, but we have to rename it from the 73rd hole to the 55th hole. Yeah, we only see, play we, 54 holes. <laughs> I know. We, <laughs> we started, talked about that before we started sure. it beforehand, but we, we do like to call it how it is. And, and, you know, obviously, I feel like more live players should be in the majors, and we can get to that stuff. And, and they do play 72 in the majors, so we, we got it halfway there. But, Jerry, <laughs> uh, I just want to start off by saying, you know, first of all, congratulations on your move to live. And uh, I just got to ask you, you've done so many things things in your career, whether it was the nationwide tour, the LPGA stuff. I mean, you even did, you know, long drive stuff. I, I think I remember at one point, uh, you know, how does working for the CW and live compare to your many years with the golf channel? It kind of takes me back to the early days of golf channel when I was hired. And then as it turns out, the producer who hired me there is our producer with live golf, Keith Hirschland, who's uh, the only person alive who could do the job that's required at live to be able to juggle everything that goes on and to bring it to the viewer as fast paced as it is. But uh, it reminds me of those days because it was back then it was just one team. Everybody at every event was the same team. Now, granted, this is a much bigger team, a couple hundred people plus deep in terms of the behind the scenes people with the broadcast, but it, it's all one team. Everybody has each other's back. You're all, you all feel, especially with live and what we've been up against, from a narrative standpoint, um, you all feel like you're renegades in this together, and it, there's a bond, and there is a uh, there's something special to it. And you know what? Like my my son was the the uh, deciding factor, 26 year old son who loves golf more than I do, um, in me taking the job. And he basically, as only your child can tell you, Dad, you're getting up there. You don't have that many years left. You don't want to spend them not having the balls to take a damn chance for once in your life. That's a hundred. That's hundred percent true, right there, Jerry. And uh, you know, I believe this week at Cedar Ridge will mark our fourteenth uh, live event so far. We're approaching about the year mark from when the league initially got started. Just so, just take us through whenever you first accepted a job till now. Has things transpired the way you thought they would? Have things been a little bit different? Have things been better, or worse? Just kind of take us through how the last year's been. Well, you know what? When I signed up, I was the first one they signed from an iron talent standpoint, and a lot of it was because of Herschel, and a lot, a lot of it was because of my uh, son's. Uh, input and he was absolutely right and and to be quite honest it's a better job it, the, obviously I didn't take a job to get paid less money and it's an easier job because I work 14 events 42 days the entire year but uh, I didn't really know anybody other than Herschel and Steve Vim our director uh, just a couple of guys on a zoom call who I negotiated a deal with um, and they're brilliant guys a guy named James Watson who's was kind of the guy who thought up the all, all the in, innovations that we do to make our broadcast what it is and different and to appeal to a maybe a younger, maybe a, a hipper, maybe a, an audience that wants something with a little more action to it than a typical golf broadcast. And then his boss, our, our chief broadcasting officer, chief media officer actually named Will Steger, who's an absolute genius. Um, so that's, I only knew those from a couple of Zoom calls. And so I got on a plane and I was in at the Women's U.S. Open expecting to work that week when I got the call from Golf Channel that they were letting me out of my contract and I'm on my way to London to work with a bunch of people I never met. So I can't say it transpired like I thought because I didn't have any thought. But I know from the first day they told us to, we didn't really have any marching orders. And to be quite honest, we still don't. We're told to go on TV and not make it a golf tournament. Remember, you're covering world-class golf, and this is serious stuff for the guys playing. But don't make it a golf tournament. Don't make it what you're used to. Just make it more fun for people to watch. Try and get it to where people who are watching lean forward in their chair instead of recline and fall asleep. And that's uh, that's a big part of what we do. And I think uh, based on what we hear from the viewers and certainly from the fans on site, it seems to be working. 
Bolte, I, I think back when I first met you, it was at the Club Pro Championship, and, and I had missed the cut, and I wasn't really pleased with myself, but you said, hey, stick around. I want you to be an on-course reporter kind of guy, and whatever you guys call them. And I went, you want me to do what? And uh, you said, I think you'd be good at this. Just trust me. Stick around a couple of days and hang with us. And from that day, uh, meeting you and hanging out with you, I said, this guy, I love this dude. So that's how my, my podcast, when I told these guys, hey, I'm going to see if I can get hold of Jerry and see if he'll come on. They go, you know Jerry? And I go, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we go way back. We we got drunk on uh, Gilardia's back patio one night. So... <laughs> That's, one night. And that's another story. That's another story. But when when you were, I told these guys yesterday, I was out there, and it, within 30 minutes, it was so much different than anything I've been around my whole career. It, it, it just was so refreshing. I mean, I couldn't believe the difference. When you first got involved, did you have any inclination what this was going to be and how cool it was going to be? Not, not really. I had a bunch of people in my ear that were convinced it was going to going to be this, but I mean, you and I come from a different generation and, and, uh, and this wasn't, you know, they had these teams with these really hokey names and they just did. I just didn't think that was ever going to be a part of it. And from the first, uh, the gathering we had, it was a kind of a pro-am party, which they have every week now. And it was actually a draft party that first week in London because there weren't any set teams for the most part. Um, but talking to Westwood and Poulter and, and Graham McDowell and, and those guys, they were all in on this team concept. I mean, they were all in. Matter of fact, the Majestics, which is uh, Poulter, Westwood, uh, Stenson, and now Laurie Cantor's filling in the rest of the year, um, they already had a team organization. They had they had management on site at the very first event. And I'm like, how is this ever going to sell to the golf audience? But those guys kind of viewed it from more of the sports background of, of an F1, where there are teams, even though they're individual drivers and cars, there are teams, and also the Premier League soccer. That's how they kind of viewed it. And they're right. The team aspect has absolutely taken on a whole – life of its own within the individual competition and guys honestly saying that when Danny Lee won in Tucson, he said he never even looked at the individual leaderboard. He was just trying to help his team and he ended up winning in a playoff. So that part of it, I didn't ever expect to take off like it did, but that is the part that really resonates with the people who haven't been into golf. 30% of the people who show up at our events have never been to a golf tournament. And the first thing they do is they go in that merchandise set and they buy team logo gear, and they adopt these teams, and the kids especially just seem to eat it up. So I, I have a sister who's at home taking care of my girlfriend slash wife, whatever. We're not technically married because uh, she just had a surgery. And all she wanted for coming down from Texas to stay with and, and do the little odds and ends around the house for my wife who's recovering uh, was a couple of range goats hats. And this woman is 67 years old. you got to be kidding me. But that's the part that has really shocked me. <laughs> No, that's absolutely true. People have definitely taken a liking to the team aspect of it. The other thing that I got from walking around the past couple of days for the first time at a live event is every single guy just looks so content with their decision. They seem approachable. They seem happy. Um, you guys seem the same way in the booth, and that's one thing I want to get to is – 
when you started this, you didn't have Faraday with you in the booth, and then Faraday comes on board. I kind of want to hear a little bit how that came about, and then how has it been in the booth with Faraday, and maybe share a couple Faraday stories with us because you and Faraday together is gold on the air. I'm kind of his Ed McMahon. You might be too young for that. I'm kind of his Andy Richter, uh, so to speak. Um, yeah, I, I flew to London. I had met Don Boulay once before. We had did one tournament together, an International Crown LPJ event in Korea. I'd never met Suen Hang. I knew Troy um, from the World Long Drive Championships that we covered, and actually she was my suggestion when they were looking for uh, to fill that role of the kind of you know social media influencer slash golf expert slash uh, really cool personality. Um, but we, none of us really, and I never met Arlo White. I'd never heard of him in my life. Lo and behold, this guy's a world-class soccer announcer. And he also plays himself in the Ted Lasso series. So, um, I had real big doubts about him, but after like 10 minutes into the first broadcast, and I, I even told my bosses in the talk back button, I go, we've already won. This guy is so damn good. It's ridiculous. Arlo is, uh, had Dom next to us the first week, but he went out on course where he absolutely just stars. Uh, in the broadcast. And then Faraday, we had heard rumor that Faraday was having talks with the bosses. Uh, we thought it wouldn't be till the earliest, till the beginning of this year. But then, uh, then one thing led to another and, and NBC, uh, Comcast, NBC golf channel, let him out of his contract and he joined us at our third event. And uh, I honestly, when I got hired, it was my versatility was one of the reasons they came after me because I've done on course I've done play-by-play. I've done a little bit of the analyst. I don't even know what my role is here. I'm the guy in the middle, as people say when I see him in the airport. Uh, oh, yeah, you're the guy in the middle. Uh, <laughs> no idea what my name is, but uh, I thought for sure that they would bring in somebody with Faraday to, uh, to you know, to, to be the, the middle guy, the straight guy for him, or, or you know, to, to fill in the parts that, that where he, you know, Faraday could do the whole show by himself. We'd all sit at the front of our chair and listen, but it's a, it's an unfair burden to put on him. So I thought they'd bring in somebody else and I'd go out on course, which has been where I've been the last 15 years. Uh, but he liked uh, our, the way we got along. He still likes the way we get along. He loves the way I set him up or sometimes protect him or sometimes play off him or sometimes whatever. I don't know what it is. Um, but he seems to like me in that chair and, uh, it's a lot harder job than you would think. It's much easier being on the course, but it's really kind of cool to be, sitting a foot away from a guy who's an absolute genius in broadcasting. And, and the best part is he doesn't even know it. He's a way better person than he is a broadcaster. He's got a heart of gold and, uh, it's just, it's really cool. He's, and he's funnier than you would think. I mean, you know, he's hilarious, you know, he's funny, but it's those times when you're not expecting, you don't even think he's listening and he just says one, three or four word thing. And you just, you're dying laughing, your stomach hurts. And he, he says a lot of those without people even noticing on the air, except I'm sitting next to him. I can't talk for 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah, I know there's been a couple times I've been watching, Jerry, where, uh, you know, you, you literally, just like you said, you haven't been able to talk for 15 minutes, and Faraday will talk about, uh, I think one time he said, look at the size of that wiener or yeah. something like that. Well, the one yeah. in Monacoba yeah. that was the best was when Uline was in the trees, and he said, this is like watching the Hindenburg and the Titanic crash into each other. I could not stop <laughs> laughing. It's just the classic little one-liners, Jerry, that does it. I mean, it, it truly is. And, you know, th- this next question for you may be pretty tricky because we do have 48 great players out there on live. Out of everyone you've seen so far in the 14 events that we're going to have after Cedar Ridge, which one has impressed you the most? Uh, well, I mean, we expect the, the play out of uh, Dustin Johnson uh, and, uh, and, 
and the guys who have won, uh, Charles Schwartzel winning the first one, um, and Cam Smith winning his second one out as a member of Live. You expect that out of those guys. Um, we, I think we've expected Bryson to do a little better. Uh, I know, and it's no surprise that Brooks Kepka was the first guy to win too. I think the guy who has impressed me the most is a guy I'd never heard of before I got to London. That's Scott Vincent, young Zimbabwean. Uh, he's not really that young anymore, early thirties, but he played his way into that very first field that week by winning an Asian tour event that was also in London the week before that first event. And he stuck around to stay and he had a damn good chance to win in Singapore. A guy has the most solid golf swing and such an incredibly cool kid to begin with. And uh, he's playing, I mean, this has been life changing for him. He is, I mean, just from an income standpoint and from a, from a platform on which to, to show his, his ability that he might not have ever got just playing what, what the Asian tour represented then, obviously it's been elevated because of living because of the investment from the PIF into the uh, Asian tour. But, um, he is, he's, I think the most, he's a world-class player that I've never heard of before. Now you guys know as well as anybody there, that list of people who could be the next Scott Vincent is really, really long. There's so many thousands of talented youngsters in college and amateurs and even young pros who have that type of game, but he has stood up face to face with the best in the game and held his own. And it's been really impressive. You know, Jerry, that's that's one of the things I wanted to ask you because you've been around golf for so long. You have seen some truly phenomenal golfers. I I really cringe before now. I really cringe after I was just there one day watching these guys hit balls when they call this exhibition golf because there is nothing about it that is an exhibition in any way, shape, or form. Do you think future you will add more than 48 guys to these fields? Or do you think this thing, this this formula you all have, is this what we're going to see for the rest of the time that lives here? Well, you'll see a, uh, you'll see the same version of it. The one, the one thing about adding teams is we're not going to give up the, we're not going to give up the fan experience of a shotgun start of being, and you can't put more than, you can put up to 78 players on the course at one time, but that's, I mean, that's ridiculous. You're just asking for trouble. Um, you really can't put more than 72 players on the course at a time and have something that's sustainable from a shotgun start. And even that's pushing it. But with 48 players, you have to increase it by 12. You can't put in one more team out because then you don't have threesome. So you literally have to increase it by three more teams. Uh, I would be surprised if we didn't increase it to 15 teams in the future, but uh, I'm not sure that needs to happen. I think, uh, I think the, the, premise, the operating model, the business model under which they have now is is very sustainable and you're going to have the 48 same players uh, year after year with four guys being relegated and then losing their, their status and four guys playing their way onto the live golf circuit. And then, of course, in the near future, there'll be additional signees that make up that, that gap between the 24 automatically qualified players for next year and the points from this year and uh, and the, those guys who aren't guaranteed a job who finish below that for the following year as we add more players. Big-name players want to come. Obviously, we're going to figure out a way to get them into that 48 players. But during the season, that simply cannot happen anymore. These guys are on their teams for the year, and that uh, that allows the fan to develop an identity with the team and with the player. And that's what makes – I think that's the secret to live success. Now, moving forward, do those teams have to play the same four players each week? 
Probably not. I think each team will have five or six people on their roster when the dust settles through all the, you know, through through all the golf landscape and those who feel threatened by live and are doing everything they can to hurt our potential success. Um, once that dust settles and, and, and new people are in charge, I think then you will see teams having four, five, six players in their roster, and then they can start whoever they want each week. Jerry, you make a great point about the shotgun start. I think the fans from Oklahoma here that are going to experience that for the first time tomorrow are going to be really pleased being able to sit in one place and for a little over four hours and see every golfer in the field. That's an awesome opportunity for these fans. Um, Jerry, you did an essay earlier in the year on the OWGR that you shared on the air on the CW, and I really enjoyed it because I completely agree with your viewpoint on the OWGR. We had Taylor Gooch on, and that's a whole different story with him with the USGA, but we had Charles Howell on, and he had some interesting ideas about how we fix all of this, but obviously, Jerry, The system is broken, and you are a great golf mind, so I'm going to ask you a tough question, but how do we fix something that's so clearly broken in the OWGR? Uh, We can't fix it because the board of the OWGR is made up by the people who like it being broken. Uh, Primarily, Tim, uh, excuse me, Tim Fincham, I'm dating myself here. Uh, uh, Jay Monahan, and also it's got Mike Wan, it's got Seth Waugh, it's got... uh, the uh, uh, RNA Martin Slumbers. It's got uh, a representative from Augusta National, and then it's got a few of the international tour people as well. It's headed by Peter Dawson, who used to be the CEO of the RNA. Um, he's the independent director in charge of it. So those with a vested interest in in slowly watching the live players uh, fall out of relevance from a from an OWGR standpoint, and thus uh, exemption into the major champions championships um they're the ones in control of it we i i I hope and still believe that those majors will not want to be the ones who hold a championship with an asterisk next to it in the history books because they haven't done what they can to uh, guarantee the best possible field And, and i i honestly think each of them within a year or two will develop their own separate qualification criteria, whether it be adopting a different ranking system like a TUGR, which I happen to love, or a data golf or the SI golf or something that's a little more relevant that actually ranks golfers and doesn't take politics into consideration. Um, But if not, then go out of their way. Like the PGA did a little bit in announcing their invitations for next week uh, in giving one to Paul Casey because he wouldn't have qualified any other way or from world golf rankings, but because he couldn't play last year and he had a really good finish the year before. But they also skipped over a couple of uh, what would have been qualified um, live players to invite Bo Hostler down at 143 in the world. So none of them are immune to it. And if you liked what I said about OWGR, that week, you're going to enjoy what I get to say this Saturday in my soapbox moment, another painful round with Fultzy, because it's going to be taking on the Taylor Gooch situation and how I believe that this year's U.S. Open, if Taylor doesn't save the USGA by playing well on the PGA next week and getting it otherwise, it'll be the first actual major that will have been contested in the history books with an asterisk next to it. And that's unfortunate for an organization that uh, purports to love history and tradition more than anything. 
Well, I definitely cannot wait to watch that on Saturday. That is going to be some excellent stuff. And sort of along those those same lines, Jerry, had some news come out earlier that the DP World Tour has fined and banned 26 of its players for competing in live and Asian Tour events without their consent. I feel like everyone could have probably prognosticated how the PGA Tour was going to handle this live situation. But I feel like the DP World Tour has kind of gone a completely different way than I thought they would. I understand they have the strategic alliance now with the PGA Tour. But what do you make of the DP World Tour essentially just almost kind of getting rid of these players? We already had how many ever of them already resigned their membership? Shooting itself in the foot, right? 100%. Yeah. No, that's just bad leadership. That's all it is. That's Keith Pelley, and he he made a huge mistake when he needed money. The PGA Tour went and gave him $120 million for 40% of of the European Tour productions to basically throw him a lifeline. And and in doing so, he basically had to sell the soul of the European Tour. And everybody in Europe uh, who's aware of anything uh, that's happened with it knows that. Uh, their ten, their ten best players each year now uh, get PGA Tour cards. Although with the elevated event series, it's really kind of not a true PGA Tour card anymore. Um, but they get a chance to to play the PGA Tour. So now their race to Dubai is actually the the season long race to leave. And they, their sponsors are going, and they already have made a lot of noise, and they're going to make a whole lot more noise moving forward. Other than a handful of events that might still be considered premier events. They are struggling. They are. They have become a feeder tour to the PJ Tour, and the PJ Tour. I mean, they are the monopoly. They're the behemoth in the in the world marketplace. I'm not sure if any of us were in charge of it, we would do things any differently than they have, because power is exciting, and and holding all the cards in the in the world golf landscape is exciting and cool. And if done benevolently, is not a bad thing. But it hasn't been. It hasn't been about the fans. It hasn't been about anything else other than control and money. And that's unfortunate. And it took a disruptor, even though we didn't, the intention wasn't to be a disruptor. It took a disruptor to come in and expose a lot of it. You know, I, I find it ironic that we got you on today because you and I basically, I'm a little older than you, but we, we've lived that PGA tour. We've, we've been a part of it and been around it. And to me, we'll walk lightly here, but, Watching the power of Tiger Woods doesn't shock me. Watching Jay Monahan make mistake after mistake after mistake, in my opinion, that's just a one guy's opinion. How many times he's gotten in his own way when he could have taken a high road? It seems like he just keeps going as low as he can go. What do you think? Now we're 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 guessing here. We don't know, but I just want your opinion because you're kind of my age and my thoughts where do you think the pga tour has to go in the next few years to write this shit because i know lives not going away it sure doesn't look like it to me not that i know anything about it but i don't think it's going away and i don't think jay monahan's the best guy to run it will tiger and the rest of those guys find a way to maybe get him out and somebody else in and or do you think that i'm just wanting your opinion you know, I, I I don't know. I mean, I have real strong opinions on all of it, but obviously I'm I'm part of in the bubble of the live golf, so my opinions are obviously going to be biased. Um, what I worry about for the PJ Tour, as a fan of the PJ Tour and a friend and a fan of so many of the of the players and people who work behind the scenes, what I worry about for them is is their business model sustainable. Um, these elevated events are, are requiring sponsors to put in a lot more money that weren't part of the deal when they signed up. And then the non-elevated events, which become really, really tough viewing, um, is, 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 is hard 
for their broadcast partners to be able to see the value in them that they signed up for when they signed those huge network deals that basically closed the golf channel. When, when Comcast NBC had to pay them so much money for the rights fees that it essentially shuttered the golf channel. They took all the money. And, um, I don't think they're getting to deliver the product that they signed up for. Now, that's one of the reasons why, it, why I, in my opinion, the OWGR has, has been such a huge importance to the PGA Tour and to Monaghan is to, is to artificially present a strength of field, which those TV contracts um, are reliant upon for the, for the CBS and NBC and whoever else uh, airs PGA Tour events. They're guaranteed a certain strength of field. And that, that is why this has been such a cluster of, of a, I mean, just, ridiculous how it's been handled. Um, so I don't know. I don't, I just don't know if their business model is sustainable long-term having thrown so much money at the PJ tour to combat the, the defections toward live as they call them. We just call them guys who took a better deal. Um, I don't think, I don't know if that business model is sustainable. So I worry about that. And if it's not, then, then that, I think that would be the writing on the wall for the, for the top people there. But if it is, then maybe he's a home run, and I just can't see it. I'm not sure. Well, Jerry, thank you so much for your time today. Before you get out of here, we're at Live Tulsa at Cedar Ridge. Number one, what do you think of the course this week? And number two, this may be a little bit of a conflict of interest since you're calling it, but who do you like this week, and whose game do you think fits the course? Uh, well, first of all, I'll answer the last question first. Anybody who doesn't bet Taylor Gooch, if you're betting and you don't bet Taylor Gooch this week, you just simply don't like money. You're nuts. <laughs> uh, the only Oklahoma native in the field playing a course in Oklahoma, a style of course that uh, fits his game perfectly because he's a dynamic ball striker who works it both ways, and you have to do that here. Um, you have to keep it in the fairway. You have to make putts. That, um, you know, that's... <laughs> That's a recipe that's as old as time. But here, it's a good old traditional style course. I played it years ago. I went to college at Oral Roberts University for a year, way back in the Stone Ages, as my son was and played it a few times back then. But it, it's just a good, solid ball strikers golf course. Keep it below the hole, which is pretty easy on an old style course. Keep it a little short of the hole. Keep it in the fairway, and there'll be some really good numbers here. But at par 70, with not the biggest fairways and, and just enough trouble around the holes to, you know, to create a problem. Um, I, I'm looking at 14 or 1500 to win. I, I will be shocked if Taylor Gooch isn't among the contenders, but I also have this kind of weird feeling and no real reason for it. Although he has been playing a little better, but not great in Matthew Wolf coming back to where he went, you know, near where he went to college and any, cause he loves the team environment. I'd be, I'm really think that he's, uh, he's got a chance to be up there on, on Sunday as well. No doubt about it. Hopefully that elbow is doing decent for Matthew Wolf. I know that he's had a little bit of trouble with it this week. Um, but, Jerry, thank you so much for joining us today on the 73rd hole. I know you and Woody go back, but uh, for you to spend this time with us and just talk about some golf was awesome. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. And I didn't want to call Woody out on this, but I'll go ahead and do it now. Um, <laughs> we met a long time before that club pro championship, but he was a tour player and I was a lowly Nike tour player or something at the time. We had a few beers and we hung out a little bit. I don't know. I qualified for one of the events he was playing in. Uh, and he, he didn't remember it quite as well as I did because the guy left an impression. And I always wanted to be Woody when I grew up and I still do. 
<laughs> yeah, I do remember that, but but I didn't want to sound like I was something special because you are. I know me, and I know you. No, I'm not. But but I, what is special? And I try to tell these young bucks I'm with, Jerry, all the time. The relationships you meet in golf, they stay with you for life if you're a good guy. If you if you're the good guys can call each other and it, it, you know just like you i've talked to you forever and i, I said let me see if i can get hold of him he'll come if i can get hold of him and look at you here you are well you know what you're absolutely right golf doesn't there aren't a lot of bad people in golf and they don't last long the ones who are and uh and yeah to me jim woodward you are something special you always have been you have that dynamic personality that it just engages everybody you meet with and uh and it's a pleasure to be someone you consider a friend Always, my friend. Always. All right. That's you take awesome care. Stuff. Hey, everyone. T-Dub here. I want to take a second to tell you about my good friends at McCray Roofing. Not too long ago, my roof was in desperate need of repair. There was extensive hail damage, and I had many leaks that needed attention. Not only did Jeff and his staff build me a new roof, but they walked me through step-by-step of the claims process, which is something that I was very, very concerned about. Everything from the initial inspection of the roof to analyze all the damage to meeting with the insurance adjuster to make sure they were aware of every damaged area, making sure my claim was accurate. Their custom copper creations are truly beautiful and add a great touch to any roof. Not only do they do residential roofs, but they have an elite list of commercial customers, including Gallardia Country Club, Oak Tree National, and Bass Pro Shops. Check out their website at McCrayRoofing.com to view some of their work yourself and give them a call at 405-692-4000. That's 405-692-4000. Back here on the other side of the break on the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. Yesterday, we had the state champion Norman High head coach Greg Grost on our show. If you want to hear that interview, definitely go listen to yesterday's podcast. But as we continue to recap the high school state championships, we would be remiss if we didn't have this guy on the podcast, Ryder Cowan goes out there and wins the state championship for OCS. Not only, Ryder, did you win the state championship individually, but OCS wins by one shot over Heritage Hall. This was out in Weatherford. Just take me through the week. It had to be an awesome, awesome experience, and Tosh Hayes has to be really, really proud of you guys as well. Yeah, I mean, thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I appreciate you guys. Uh, it was, I mean, it was a solid week. Uh, we as a team, I mean, me and Bryant, we've, we've played together since we've been young and our four years have been great. And we, we just really wanted a team win, which, uh, we ended up getting, um, but I'm, I'm just proud of our team, man. I mean, we literally, we had two freshmen and, uh, a sophomore, they stepped up and they, they played solid. I mean, without those guys, I mean, I don't, I don't think we could have won that honestly. I mean, me and Brian played well, but without those guys we wouldn't have won so uh it was, it was just cool to see like the the freshmen step up and uh uh just i don't know i mean just to watch them and uh hopefully they can continue on and uh be great someday and i think they can so um but it, it was it was a great week now Ryder, a pretty important question man because this isn't the first time you won a state title you did the exact same thing 
last year as well. So whenever you feel like, obviously, it happened pretty recently, but whenever you look back on it, which one do you think is going to be more to you, getting the first one or getting the last one, knowing that you won't have a chance to do it again? Um, honestly, uh, the first one was pretty important to me. I mean, I, I honestly, I just wanted a, an individual state championship under my belt. Um, this year, I kind of just came in like I, I just wanted me to like perform and, and get the team a win. Like we haven't had that yet, so um, I mean, it, it's it's always great to get a win, right? But I mean, uh, getting getting a team win, it it just feels so much better. I mean, just I don't know, it it, it was much better to get a team win than an individual win what I'm getting to pretty much no that definitely makes sense the fulfillment uh with the team win and Ryder I mean after winning back-to-back state championships now you are headed to another place that likes to win championships the University of Oklahoma what things are you looking forward to about getting up there with the guys? And, and it's been a long time coming, and I'm sure Hibble's excited to finally get you know his hands on you, Norman. Right? Yeah, no, I mean, uh, man, it's crazy. I mean, time time just flew by. Uh, it seems like yesterday as as sophomore committing, so uh, it, it flew by. But I, I'm excited to get up there and uh, get started. I mean, I, I love all. I love the team. I mean, we're going to be solid. I mean, I got a teammate, uh, two teammates that are coming in. I mean, Connor Henry and CJ Maybank. They're they're both solid. They've got a good game, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be fun con- just competing against uh, great players. I mean, that's how you get better, right? So, um, uh, just pushing each other. I think I think that'll be great. And um, I mean, Coach Hibble, Coach Bill. I mean, they're they're some of the best coaches in the nation. So, and I think they've proven that, and I think they will continue to prove that. So. I'm I'm excited. I'm really excited to get up there. Well, Ryder, take it from two guys who were not in college too long ago. Two main things I would advise you on. Number one is make sure you have your time management right. Because once you get out on your own, you have no relevance of time right now. Like, you don't even have a clue. And once you get there, you'll get all set and get it figured out. And the second one is... Stay away from what everyone would, you know, the peer pressure type things. You know, you're going to have plenty of women in your life. You're going to have plenty of alcohol over the place. You know, you you don't need need to deal with that stuff right now. So, you know, stay one one on one track mind, and and I think you'll be just fine, Ryder. But we were talking about this earlier a a little bit when I saw you out on the course caddying, is that talked about how you're going to enroll in a summer class there and be able to use the facility in June. So just kind of talk about that process and what, what your schedule looks like this summer. Yeah, so I, I actually just uh, coach Facetime me after uh, after I won on uh, uh, Tuesday, and we we're kind of talking about that. And uh, I am I'm enrolling in a, a June summer class, uh, and it'll it'll be um, so just so I have facilities, uh, I get access to all the facilities, all the all the trainers, whatever I need, pretty much. And um, but. The summer class, it, it's kind of like just a blow off, honestly. Well, I hope so at least, <laughs> but I do get, <laughs> I do get um, just full access to everything. It, I'm taking history of jazz, so I, I'm not a, I'm not a music guy. So hopefully this class is not about jazz, um, but I think it'll be good. I mean, I, I'm excited just to get started, uh, be able to actually get out there with the guys and uh, with coach and uh, just start getting getting dialed that's that's awesome stuff i mean he's gonna be studying bb king and how to hit you know low stingers over the summertime it sounds like a saxophone pretty soon exactly uh you know we talked about the cool things of you 
going from high school to college. But one thing that does suck about leaving high school is, you know, you don't have those high school teammates anymore. And I thought this would be a cool opportunity to maybe shout those guys out, the guys that helped you win the state championship, and maybe share some things, some lasting memories uh, that you might have of your time at OCS. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, uh, I play, I played with Bryant and our team this year. Um, we we actually were pretty solid. I mean, I think we shot uh, over three hundred a couple times, um, but we played solid all year. And honestly, that's because of our three, four, five bag, um, and those guys, uh, Aaron Cummings, uh, Ty Neverland, uh, Braden Haynes. Those guys, man, they stepped up and they played well, um, especially as freshmen. I mean, I mean, it's, it's hard coming in and just like state championship, like as freshmen, it's hard to just step up like that. And they stepped up. So uh, that was cool. But uh, actually, I do have a funny story. Um, I mean, you, you guys know Todd Hayes. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we, uh, our coach, our OCS coach. Um, so we were coming home from regionals and we missed a turn to come back i mean we we made regionals we're all we're all excited whatever um missed a turn and so toss just decides to um just back up in the middle of the road um and he hits a mailbox oh <laughs> no it's a mailbox this is i, I brought this up because this, this makes me laugh every time I'm, I'm actually sitting in the back and i was yelling mailbox 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 <laughs> No, Ryder, Ryder, was it one of those big brick mailboxes or was it just no, with a wood post? So it was like a wooden post. and it, <laughs> So did he knock that, out the mailbox? Is I, there no more mailbox there? No, yeah, actually he went back and he, he did uh, <laughs> replace it and he, he put dirt around it, whatever. He did fix it. <laughs> I mean, that'd be like a felony or whatever it is. But <laughs> <laughs> yes, it would have been. <laughs> that is beautiful stuff. But, that, that was a good memory with those guys, this team this year, so. Uh, I'm just I'm glad that uh, we finished it off right, and I, I'm excited for Bryant. I mean, Bryant's going to K State. Like I said, I've known him for years, and uh, just competing against him over the years, it's it's been fun. We we push each other and uh, just push each other to be better. I mean, honestly, uh, I'm gonna miss him, and uh, we're gonna miss OCS definitely. That's awesome stuff there, Ryder. There's nothing like those van rides with your high school team. I still remember some of those to this day. And you mentioned Bryant Pole Hill obviously going to K-State next year as well. Um, my next question, Ryder, is what does the summer look like as far as the uh, junior golf schedule goes? Or are you doing more amateur stuff? It's kind of an interesting time transitioning from junior golf to amateur golf. Yeah, it is. A, it's an interesting time. That is, that's a good way to put it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of actually. It's kind of sad. I'm kind of done with junior golf, honestly. Uh, I am doing some. Uh, I'm just doing more amateur amateur, amateur tournaments and um, trying to get into the big tournaments. Uh, I'm playing U.S. Open qualifying on Tuesday in Hot Springs, uh, Arkansas, and um, but yeah, uh, just more amateur, bit bigger tournaments. But I'm I am excited to get into the bigger tournaments. I mean, it, it, it's fun because, I mean, there, there's so many, I mean, even in big junior tournaments, there's so much good competition. I mean, just playing against those guys, it, it only makes it better. I mean, it's fun. 
All right, all right. I want to talk about the experience that you had today. You caddied in the program up here at the Live Tournament at Cedar Ridge, and you had Amino Pereira as your par- as your partner on the front nine or y'all's front nine, and then had uh, David Puge as your uh, other partner on the back nine. And both of those players, not too long ago, were college standouts, which is somewhere that you uh, will more than likely be very soon. Mito played at Texas Tech, David Puge at uh, Arizona State. So, did you see any similarities in their game and your game? And what are some things that maybe you saw that they do that maybe you'll be able to add to your arsenal yeah i mean so i've always kind of been a uh, short game guy and honestly i really saw that in uh, david's game uh, I, I asked him about it today and he said he really works hard on a short game and his putting speed control and that's kind of what i do i'm i'm kind of more short game and i'm speed control whatever um putting uh mito let me tell you that guy is a ball striker his swing is so good and he can hit the ball high, low, whatever way you want him to hit it. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, and I mean, with the short game too, I mean, those guys are so good, but his short game is solid too. So, uh, I hope I can get to that level one day, um, as well, but what I've always worked on is short game. And I, I really saw a, a similarity in, uh, David, I was kind of more with David. Yeah, that's awesome stuff. And I, I think you're going to add all those things to your arsenal. T-Dub, I have to share a quick story. Most of the time, people say you don't see all the hard work. Well, with Ryder, I've seen the hard work because he practices on the hole in his backyard is the same hole in my backyard. So I saw him two weeks ago in the pouring rain hitting golf balls on 7 Fairway, and I'm going, this guy has an unbelievable work ethic. Definitely keep that, Ryder. That's awesome stuff. It's propelled you to be a top 30 junior player in the world, and it's definitely going to help you into the future with college golf. Uh, T-Dub, you got anything left for Ryder? Man, it just, Ryder, we do appreciate your time here, man, for sure. And you're just such a tremendous young player, man. You're a very well-spoken individual as well. So just make sure you keep up doing what you're doing. The last question I'll have for you is, is that yesterday when we were at the press conference, we asked Abraham answer what his favorite Coach Hibble story was. And he gave up doozy. Basically, to sum it up, he punched a refrigerator and none of his teammates ratted him out and they had to run <laughs> for about five years worth. So it was a pretty legendary story. So for someone who isn't technically on the team yet but has had a lot of interactions with Coach Hibble, What's your favorite story of his? And maybe Tosh Hayes as well. G- give us one of each. Um, let me see. Coach Hibble's story. And I guess he, well, I guess you already hard. gave a Tosh Hayes story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, so, if something beats the mail, knocking the mailbox over, Ryder, feel free to share. But that right. one might take the cake. Right. That was that was a pretty funny story by Tosh. Um, it's hard for for me for Coach Hibble because I mean, technically, I've only been talking to. I mean, I, I've known Coach for a long time. But uh, we've only been able to talk to him uh, since June 15th of my junior year. So technically, like, I haven't really got to know him. And I, I haven't seen him a lot because of all the rules and whatever. So um, I don't have a, a great story. Um, but, yeah, the other day I did um, – I saw him. I went to my cousin's track meet. And I, let me tell you, I was looking for this guy because I saw Addie, his daughter. Um, he, she was running. So I was looking for coach because I knew he was going to be there. I mean, he's in town. He, he's a great dad. He always goes to his, his daughter's stuff. So I was looking for him at the track meet, and I could not find this guy. I mean, I literally could not find this guy. And I ended up texting him, and he is wearing – he's like, I'm in the middle section, whatever. Uh, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll come up there and sit by you. And he is wearing a cowboy hat with, like, this sweatshirt. I was like – 
coach, I was trying to find you. Like, I didn't expect you to be in a, a cowboy hat at the track meet. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> so that, that was pretty funny for me. Uh, I mean, hopefully I'll, I'll have some more stories, but that's probably one of my best ones. That's awesome stuff, Ryder. Well, we really have appreciated following you and covering your high school career at OCS, and we wish you nothing but the best as you become a Sooner over this next year. Well, I, I appreciate you guys, and Taylor, I, I, I know uh, I've known you for a long time, and so thank you guys for just uh, following along, and Sam, I, I see you all the time. Thank you, too. I, I appreciate you guys a lot. Awesome stuff. That's Ryder Cowan, state champion for OCS this year and headed to be a part of the Oklahoma Sooners next year. We'll be back on the 73rd Hole podcast right after this. Join the hype. Live Golf is coming to Tulsa at Cedar Ridge Country Club, May 12th through the 14th. See the top players who include DJ, Taylor Gooch, Bill Mickelson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, and Bryson DeChambeau. Battling it out. This is high stakes golf with a whole new vibe and a whole new energy. Rally your squad now and see the big names with big swings compete in this new global league. Tickets are selling fast. Get yours now at livegolf.com. That's L and we're back here on the 73rd hole podcast and we are fortunate enough to be joined by david bryan jr the head pro out here at cedar ridge david Obviously, this is such a great event to come to the state of Oklahoma and the city of Tulsa. Tulsa's had major championships before, but regular season professional golf is something that's pretty new to the state. And for them to choose Cedar Ridge and and you guys to be open to the idea, you just got to be over the moon excited about this week, don't you? Yeah, we really do. And we just looked at it as a really unique opportunity. I mean, to your point, they're there hasn't been any other golf outside of majors when it comes to men's professional golf. And, and, um, you know, another thing I've been telling people this week is men's professional golf is really the only thing that's been absent here at Cedar Ridge. And, uh, so again, the membership just, you know, looked at it as a great opportunity and, um, and so far it's, it's been great. You mentioned just that right there, the absence of professional golf here. What has it been like for you, a course that you spend so much time at to see such world-class players come out to your facility and really just all the excitement that the, that, uh, that, that, that's bringing you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's a bit surreal. Um, you know, and then, and then when you factor in live and, and some of these players that, that some of us had just kind of frankly forgotten about, you know, they, uh, with, with live not being covered on television last year, um, even personally, there were some players I just kind of forgot about. So to so to see them on our property playing playing Cedar Ridge um, is is just great. I mean, we we've really enjoyed it and and a bit surreal to be honest. Let's dive into the golf course a little bit because a lot of our listeners aren't familiar. They don't live in Oklahoma, right? And so they're not necessarily familiar with Cedar Ridge because, like we just talked about, it's never hosted a professional event on TV. It's going to get a lot of exposure this week. Um, the nines are flipped this week. Just kind of go through, take us through the golf course for someone who's never been out here before. Yeah, so Cedar Ridge is um, about 55 years old, and um, it was an old dairy farm. And uh, there was actually a Southern Hills member named Buddy LaFortune who grabbed a group of investors and, and wanted to build another championship golf course. So that, you know, he, his thought was there's room for two. And, 
And um, so he hired an architect named Joe Finger, who's not necessarily a household name, but he was a um, an MIT guy, and uh, he actually started his career just just in architecture, you know, building type architecture, and um, and then got into golf courses. So he's not necessarily a household name, but um, a really good designer, and was known for challenging golf courses. And so Cedar Ridge is very challenging, you know, has that reputation. Um, it's what you would describe as a Parkland type golf course. Um, lots of big specimen type trees, rolling terrain, uh, very well bunkered. Green contours are, are really good. In fact, uh, some of the live tournament setup guys asked us to slow the greens down a little bit based on our contours. Um, so yeah, so it's, it's a handful and it should hold up well. You know, we're playing as a par 70 at just over 7,200 yards. Um, so that should be a pretty and good test. that's the other change that I didn't even mention, that uh, you guys are changing the normal number one, which is playing as number 10 this week, from a par five to a par four. What went into that decision? Yeah, that's correct. So, yes, Sam, they um, they did change the nines, um, so have reversed those. Um, our everyday number one is now the 10th, and, um, and it is a par four. It's, it's a pretty short par five for the membership, and so um, pretty common, you know, when when these types of players come to your golf course to, to take a short par five and make it a par four for them. Um, but, yeah, that's, um, the reversal of the nines was a little bit more of a logistical thing for Liv. They, uh, they liked what they were able to build out around our number, ninth and, or number nine and make it their 18th. Um, also, they are taking our number eight, which will be the 17th this week, and making it a drivable par four, um, which should add some good drama coming down the stretch. David, we've seen a, a pretty good mix on Liv. We've seen some tournaments with winning scores around eight, nine under par. We've seen some get upwards of close to 20 under par. You see this course more than anyone. What, if you could prognosticate up until Sunday afternoon, what do you think a round winning score would be? Yeah, so I'm, I'm going with 16 under par. And... That's a you know a little higher maybe than I would Weather like to see. Obviously, yeah. yeah, and 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 so you know once I started seeing the forecast, you know we're not going to have mm-hmm. a lot of high winds, um, which we all know in Oklahoma can you know the wind can blow. Um, so we also have rain in the forecast, and and anytime the you know you don't have a lot of wind and you add some soft conditions, it, it's a green light for these guys. And uh, so over three rounds. Uh, with these conditions, uh, that's my prediction, 16. Uh, it, you know, could be a couple more, could be a couple less, but that's that's what I'm going with. And then I saw you out there starting today, you know, on the first tee, helping these guys get out there on the course at the Pro-Am. What guys impressed you? I mean, I'm obviously, you know golf like the back of your hand. I mean, what guys did you go, wow, you know, on those that first tee shot? Yeah, you know, I, I did. I saw a lot of them, and and so I, I just got just got done, and and my mind's kind of spinning. I, I don't know that I have any examples by name, but what I what I am so impressed with, um, not only today but watching a little bit yesterday, is how efficient these guys' swings are. You know, there's just there's no wasted motion. Um, everything is just so dialed in, and they're hitting the ball so straight so far. Um, so, so that's been a lot of, a lot of fun to watch. Um, you know, Taylor Gooch just teed off, um, on my tee. He was the last one to come through and, you know, having one, two in a row and, um, you know, being such a shot maker. And, um, we touched on this a little bit yesterday is he's got all the shots, you know, he's kind of a throwback and, 
Um, so certainly impressed by him. You know, he's such a center of attention right now. I hope that that's not going to be too much of a distraction. Um, but being kind of the home state, um, Oklahoma State guy, he's, he's getting a lot of attention. In fact, they mic'd him up on the, uh, the first tee of, of the Pro-Am there. And, um, you know, and I've seen a lot of that with him this week. So he, he's, uh, he's being pulled in a lot of different directions. I hope it doesn't impact his game negatively. Well, David, we talked about the good shots you saw today. I think we all know what the worst shot you saw today oh. was. So just, just kind of detail what all transpired during those uh, 30, to, 30 seconds to a minute. Yeah, so, so Phil's group is up, Phil Mickelson, and, um, and the Oklahoma City Thunder coach um, is on the tee, and he's a lefty. And um, he hadn't played in a while, so he was a little bit rusty. And... Um, he hits it just directly off the heel. I mean, directly <laughs> off the heel. I mean, it, it looked like it almost hit his right shin and, um, and hit um, one of the local sports guys' camera. And uh, I think it's gone viral now by this point. But, uh, but anyway, it was, it was definitely the most colorful shot of the day. No doubt about it. Well, I appreciate your time. The last question I have is just how was Liv to work with? Because obviously this is new and you're one of the first courses to work with live and i'm just curious to hear it straight from the horse's mouth what were they like to work with yeah so far so good um they they really have you know you can you can tell that they're a little bit of a newer organization and so they may not have everything as quite as detailed and lined out as as you know say a pga tour that's been around for for who knows how long but um but yeah very appreciative you know uh the players the officials you know i'm meeting a lot of new people that you know have worked for live for the first time and and um they just really appreciate us doing everything that we do and uh they just feel really fortunate to to be here so but yeah so far so good well thank you again for your time head pro of cedar ridge country club david bryan last thing i gotta say here guys is we're sitting here in the principal's office and in, in, in Dave's office. And he has more sports memorabilia in here than a, than a museum, but this is awesome stuff. Dave, thank you again. Yeah. Sam Taylor. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Big, big thank you again to David Bryan jr. For giving us the time today. Also big thank you again to Jerry Fultz and to Ryder Cowan for coming on the podcast for Sam Humphreys and Taylor Williams and Jim Woodward and also the hump man, Craig Humphreys. This has been Sam Humphreys on the 73rd hole podcast, the official podcast of golf, Oklahoma. Go get all of your local golf news from Kim McLeod and Chris Swafford doing a great job up in Tulsa, up here in Tulsa covering local golf and also go to the sports animal podcast page on the sportsanimal.com and the 73rd old podcast is right there all week you cannot miss it and we will be live this sunday for the 73rd whole radio show live from cedar ridge at live tulsa As I always say, go hit that subscribe button. It's absolutely free, and it just helps us out, and it will give you a notification whenever we drop a new episode. At Sam Humphreys 34 on Twitter, at The 73rd Hole on Twitter, and at 73rd Hole on Instagram as well. I cannot wait to see you guys out at Cedar Ridge at Live Tulsa tomorrow. This has been the 73rd Hole Podcast, the official podcast of Golf Oklahoma. (laughs) 